doing well. Uh, grab your Bible. And, uh, man, Rod, we are collecting pens up here, aren't we? There's a pen there every week. Anyway, hey, it's good to see the wands back. Hello, wands. Did you have fun? You're looking well European tanned and fit and healthy. Excellent. That's good. Have fun. Did you have a good time? Yeah, good. Good to have you back. Um, we, uh, we continue on Hosea. So have Hosea open in front of you. And uh, if you'd like to grab your outline, do that. That would be uh, helpful. Although, to be totally honest, uh, I've changed things around the outline since, since I printed it. So good luck with following it, but you never know. Might be helpful, might not, might just confuse you. Anyway, there's certainly the passage there and there's a couple of headings. So. I, uh, I also, too, we've just, we're looking at our, our bulletins and so on. Don't forget the comment cards. Use those, please, the box at the back. And um, we'll have a time of questions and, and comments at the end. Um, so bear that in mind. I don't know if the video got it right this time. We'll see in a moment. I want you to be the judge of that. Uh, of course, anything artistic is, is fairly uh, subjective. So uh, bear that in mind. But have a think about it. I'm not quite sure the video got it right. I think so far, the first four videos have been fantastic. Number five, eh, don't know. Number six is really good. So hang out for that one next week. Let's pray, and then we'll uh, look in God's word here. Father, we thank you for your, your goodness to us. I thank you, Lord, that you are indeed a God of love and um, faithful covenant love, as we're, as we're learning. Uh, Lord, we pray that we can respond with that, that same love and... Um, Lord, help us today to understand your word. Help us to think about what, um, what we need to and uh, guide our thoughts and our, our hearts as we respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what makes a good marriage? What makes a marriage work? Well, I think you'd have to say, at the top of the list, you'd have to say clear and effective communication would have to be toward the top there. A good marriage aims to avoid situations like this. So, a man and his wife are having some problems at home, and they're, each, they're giving each other the silent treatment. Uh, the next week, the man realised that he would need his wife to wake him at 5am in the morning. Why he needs his wife to do that, I do not know, but that's not part of the story, so let's keep going. So, not wanting to be the first to break the silence, he finally wrote on a piece of paper, please wake me at 5am. Well, the next morning, the man woke up only to discover that it was 9am and he'd missed his flight. He was furious and he's about to go and confront his wife uh, and, and ask why she hadn't woken him when he noticed a piece of paper beside his bed and it said, it's 5am, wake up. So, good communication, that's what makes marriage work. Surely that would be toward the top, wouldn't it? Uh, Christopher Ash, he's a UK pastor and theologian. He, um, he wrote a, a wonderful book and he argues in his book, it's called Married for God. If you're uh, married or about to get married, then Married for God is a great... Go to the next slide, actually. Thanks, John. Married for God is a great, um, a great book. Uh, worth reading. I think it's probably one of the best books on, on marriage going around. Anyway, he makes the point that marriage is uh, the key, that the, the key to a good marriage is faithfulness. So faithfulness makes a good marriage. Michelle and I have never forgotten two words given to us in our marriage preparation. They are trust and responsibility. There we go. Um, more on that another day. 
That makes a good marriage. Barry Chapman, who wrote the book The Five Love Languages, which is a wonderful book um, for lots of reasons, reckons that you've got to get to know your partner's love language, he calls it. In other words, how they feel loved. So you can show them love and therefore that'll make a good marriage. Probably the, this is the last one we'll mention, but um, there's one more. When we answer the question of what makes a good marriage, uh, what makes marriage work, the, the word humility would have to be up there. If you want your marriage to work, you need to be humble. And humility is often shown in our ability to say sorry, uh, repent. I'm going to use that word for a moment. Here's a stanza of a poem I often use when I do weddings. I did a wedding last weekend at, 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 uh, over at Burrowang. Um, I use this short little poem because it reminds the couple that they need to admit when they've got it wrong. So it reads, To keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup, if you're ever wrong, admit it. If you're ever right, shut up. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a cool little poem. Why do we find it so hard to say sorry? I wondered that. Why is it so difficult? And, and mean it, that is. You see, we can, it can be easy to say sorry, to, to just say the words. Even as uh, if you've got parents of young children or remember those days, you just wanted your, your kids to say the words. Say sorry! It's that type of thing. You just want the words to come out. There's a KFC ad on at the moment um, where a young man walks through a snobby upper-class restaurant or hotel, I don't know if you've seen it, and with all the well-heeled patrons um, shaking their heads in disapproval and tut-tuttering as he munches down on this KFC burger. And the ad closes with the line, sorry, not sorry. Now, I don't like it, to be honest. Lots of reasons why I don't like the ad. Because it, I don't like it because it highlights even more just how cheap these words can be. Just words and nothing more. Perhaps we find it hard to say sorry, and again, I mean genuine, heartfelt, uh, I've got it wrong sorry, because we don't like admitting our faults. We don't like acknowledging that we've got it wrong. And we don't really like the idea of changing myself, changing my, our ways, which is really what repentance is, isn't it? It's not just words, it's heartfelt. It is a desire to change. And genuine repentance in marriage, uh, in relationships, of course, requires humility. And likewise, when it comes to repentance... Uh, our sin and God, it requires humility before God. It's the tax collector in Luke chapter 18 who, who beats his breast. He beats his breast. Uh, it's an act of mourning. He's mourning his sin. He, can't even, he won't even approach God, the Bible tells us there. He won't even look up to heaven. Humility before God. And so in our relationships, in our marriages, in our relationship with God, genuine sorry, genuine repentance, yes, is a desire to change. 
uh, to restore the relationship, to, to head back in the right direction. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll find that hard. Find that hard to do. But when we do it, well, it makes relationships so much better. It makes marriage better. It makes marriage work. And as we come to God, in that same honesty and authentic love, well, such repentance is central to our response to His love, to our relationship with Him. Well, as we're reading in the book of Hosea, the Bible describes the relationship between God and His people as a marriage. But a marriage that's on the rocks. Uh, Israel, God's people, have gone after other gods. They have been unfaithful. They've not loved God and they've not acknowledged Him. Hosea 4 verse 1, which I've got up on the screen, says, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. And if we kept reading in chapter 5, God pronounces his judgment on unfaithful Israel. He will remove his blessings. You might remember this from chapter 2. He will remove his blessings so that they will know that God is the one true blessing. And so when we come to our, our chapter we're looking at today in chapter 6, or at least the first 11 verses, when we come to chapter 6 verses 1 to 3, at first reading, well, we're a little hopeful. Well, these are good words. Come, let us return to the Lord. Let us acknowledge Him. Israel cries out. He will revive us. He will restore us. We will once more live in His presence. He will give us life. Let us then return to the Lord. It's sounding good. He will, he will give us life. See, see verse 2? It's, it's resurrection language. It's much like Ezekiel 37. If you're jotting down some notes, go and read that again later on. Ezekiel 37 where life is given to the dry bones of Israel. But we ought to be careful. It is resurrection language. But rather than pointing us directly to Jesus, as we might be inclined to do, we might just want to jump there, jump across to Jesus. But hold on, we're missing some bits in the middle that are pretty important. Let's not do that just yet. Let's not miss those important bits. We need to think what Hosea himself, the prophet, was pointing his readers to. These verses speak of God's power to give new life for those who return to him. Yes, there's a two-day, three-day type language. But it's more likely that it's just, a bio, it's just referring to the bio, biological time it takes for decomposition. So, in other words, by two days, the body's really dead. It's really dead. It, it looks dead, it smells dead, it's dead, dead, dead. <laughs> you get it? But, but death will turn into life on the third day, the next day. When we return to the Lord, death will turn into life. See, Israel is dead, dead, dead. Uh, they're, they're, but only by returning to the Lord can they be brought back to life 
So, back to chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Genuine repentance, do you think? It's worth asking, is it? What, what do you reckon? Uh, are they really sorry? See, we need to re- remember that we read our Bibles in context. We don't close our eyes and go, that's how to read our Bible. We read it in context. So what have we been told is the requirement for God's people as they turn back to Him? Well, repentance needs to be genuine, heartfelt, sincere, which means an admission of guilt uh, and earnestly seeking the Lord. The tax collector is a good example. But let's go back one verse to chapter 5, verse 15. If you've got your Bibles open there. Then I will go back to my place, this is the Lord speaking, until they admit their guilt and they will seek my face in their misery, they will earnestly seek me. Have a look closely at those words. But when we look at verses 1 to 3, well, they contain no admission of guilt, no mention of sin. It's not there, is it? See, verses 1 to 3 are shallow words. Now, it is possible, as some, some commentators argue, that verses 1 to 3 are actually Hosea's words as he pleads to the people to return to the Lord. But it's very rare. In fact, I, this would be, as far as I can tell, the only point where Hosea himself uh, includes himself with the people. It's the us in verse 1. So, in any case, as we'll see in a moment, the people have ignored Hosea's plea. I think verse 4 gives it away. Look at verse 4. The Lord responds, What can I do with you, Ephraim? That's Israel. What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Now, us local folk in Robertson have a bit of trouble with this analogy. Because it's not a morning mist, it's a lunchtime mist, it's an afternoon mist, it's an evening mist and a nighttime mist. So you have to just stay with the analogy and try to imagine a mist that does actually go away. So the point here in verse 4 is that Israel's love is like most mist. Uh, it disappears, it, it It's not lasting, it fades away. It's a very powerful image depicting Israel's fleeting love. Unlike God's love, their love is not steadfast, it's not lasting. These words at the start of the chapter, they're just words. They're just words. Sorry, not sorry. The heart of the issue is the heart of God's people. Israel, and we're talking about national Israel here, there's still a faithful remnant, but national Israel is not returning to the Lord. There's no genuine repentance, nothing has changed. God can see right through them, God can see their hearts. Uh, Verses 7 to 11, which we won't spend much time on at all, uh, are a sort of guided tour of Israel's history of, un- history of sinfulness. It's been this way for a long time. Verse 6, 
Look at verse 6, God's requirement for love. Uh, the Hebrew word is hesed, means steadfast love, covenant love. And the NIV translates the word mercy. It, they, use, they, they do that from translating from the Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. Um, but really the Hebrew word means steadfast love or covenant love. The ESV and the RSV Bibles bring that out more. The point is, though, that God is interested in our hearts, not sacrifices, not externals. That's religion. Think about it in terms of marriage. What husband wants a wife who serves his meals at six every evening but does not love him? Who wants a wife who serves with resentment? who serves while she dreams of the lovers she wishes she could have? Who wants a cold, loveless marriage of mere formality and duty? Well, God doesn't want that with his people. Religious duties without love for God are a futile attempt to manipulate and bribe him. God does not want our rituals. He doesn't want words wants our hearts and when our hearts are not in it well our rituals become a burden a burden to god have a look at micah 6 verses 6 to 8 with what shall i come before the lord and bow myself before god on high shall i come before him with burnt offerings with calves a year old Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Jesus says the same thing to the religious leaders of his day as Hosea did in the 8th century and Micah, he's also an 8th century prophet we read in Matthew 9 a few moments ago we read in Matthew 9 a few moments ago I should say which quotes Hosea 6 verse 6 and Jesus, um, well verse 10, Matthew 9 verse 10 while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples when the Pharisees saw this they asked his disciples why does your teacher eat and eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus speaks to us now through his spirit. I, I don't want you going through the motions, God says. I don't want just words. I don't want you just attending meetings. I don't want you serving when it's convenient. I want your heart. I want your love. I want a love that puts others first. A love that delights to share your life and possessions and your time and your emotions with your church. Have a look at verse 3 again. 
Let's make these words of verse 3 authentic, honest and real as we come to him. Perhaps as we return to him, admitting our failures, but knowing his goodness, knowing his mercy, knowing his steadfast love, knowing his forgiveness. So let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us know him. Press on to know him. Let us perhaps rediscover a delight in God and his steadfast love. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. I'm going to give us a moment or two before I pray and we ask any questions or make any comments. I'm going to give us a moment or two just to sit and to pray and to think, to thank God, to thank Him for His Son, Jesus, to say sorry, to come to Him, uh, to delight in Him. Let's have a moment of quiet and then I'll pray and then we'll see if there's any questions. Father, we, uh, we thank you that you're a God who speaks to us. And Lord, we, we pray that we'll be people that listen. We pray that we would, uh, we ask, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit and help us to know your words and to know you and to put your words into practice. Lord, we're sorry that we don't, uh, we don't get it right. But Lord, we thank you that you're indeed a God of mercy. And as we come to you, Lord, we know that your new life will be as winter rains, spring rains that water the earth and give refreshment and give life. And we know that as surely as the sun rises. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Help us, to, help us to delight in you and to be thankful for all that you've done for us. Lord, we pray for our hearts. We pray that, our, that we would indeed respond to your love with love for you and love for each other and we pray this in Jesus name Amen